Ludus Novus, Episode 12, for December 6th, 2008. Genre Fiction. Listening to Ludus Novus, the podcast about the art of interaction, dealing with digital games, interactive fiction, and role playing. I'm Gregory Weir, and today I'll be talking about genre as it relates to digital games. When we talk about genre in relation to digital games, we're talking about something very different than when we talk about literary genres. Literary genres are usually things like science fiction, fantasy, mystery, children's books. We're discussing the content of the piece, the sort of things it deals with, the intended audience, and something about the conventions used in the formation of the text. So if we're talking about science fiction, it's going to be stuff that is about a world in which technology has somehow been projected forward or something unknown has been revealed about the universe, and it's going to have an audience that's going to be familiar with its conventions, and it's usually going to have, say, more technical information than we might expect in a children's book. Children's book, you know that your audience is going to be someone young, or at least that's the intended audience, and the content is going to contain less violence. The language itself is going to be a little simpler. Now, digital games have a very different concept of genre. When we talk about genre in digital games, we use words like first-person shooter, real-time strategy game, graphical adventure game. And when we talk about those, we're not referring really to the content or even to the intended audience, usually. We're referring specifically to the form that the work takes. We're talking about the nature of the way you interact with the work. The first-person shooter genre is typified by a first-person view, an action-oriented gameplay style, and the use of guns, rocket launchers, and so on as weapons. If we're talking about real-time strategy games, we've got a top-down view. We have it controlled by the mouse using a cursor to move around units, select units. We're going to be constructing units using buildings that we also have to construct. There's management of resources. And these are the accepted conventions of the genre. And there's very little in the genre to do with setting, to do with the nature of the world that's involved, the nature of the story that's being told. And I think that this is a really limiting way to look at games. It's fine if you're trying to classify existing games, because 
games do fit in these categories. You can look at Halo and you can say that's a first-person shooter. You can look at these, these existing games and say, yeah, these all fit into these neat slots. But I think that's mostly because game developers think of games that way. It, as far as I can tell, most developers, when they come up with ideas for games, don't go, I'm going to make a game about this. And since it's got this storyline, I think what's most important, appropriate to that is this perspective, this method of gameplay interaction, this method of control. And so I think it's very limiting in the decisions that are made during development if, if we do that sort of thing. And we can get genre-friendly to an almost ridiculous extent. For a long time, I was a subscriber to the U.S. edition of PC Gamer, which is a games reviewing and previewing and, and information magazine. And I was really disappointed when they started actually dividing their review section into genres. So you had the, I don't remember exactly what the divisions were, but you had the action section and the simulation section and so on. And it got a little confusing because if you get a, game that doesn't easily fit into those categories, then you have to put it in the other section or kind of shoehorn it in where it doesn't belong. And I think that that's one of the things that, that shows how inaccurate this genre system is. We define a lot of games by what genre they are. So often the first thing you'll hear from someone if you ask them, what kind of game is it? They'll say, oh, it's a first-person shooter. So when a game comes along like Deus Ex or Dungeon Keeper, you kind of have this sudden confusion where it's, what kind of game is it? Well, it's a first-person shooter role-playing game, but but those are two different genres. How does that work out? Or, or Dungeon Keeper, which is a real-time strategy simulation god game. If you span genres, and you know we, we talk about games that are genre-spanning, they're not genre-spanning, they're genre-defined. They're games that where there were specific decisions made to subvert convention or possibly to make the game what it needed to be regardless of these artificial ideas of genres. And I, I don't think it's all that harmful if we, as players, say, oh, it's a first-person shooter because games do fit neatly into these little genres most of the time. The thing is that doing that promotes the use of that so, so it limits creativity. In my opinion, when you make a game, you should think about the important thing about the game. You should think about what's the storyline? What's the sort of gameplay interaction I want? Do I want to have a romance going on? Do I want the player primarily to be collecting items? To be growing in size? Do I want killing to be the main focus of the game and then from that you can carry into all these other little things like perspective like method of interaction and it's it's a mistake to think of the genre first or even to think of the genre at any point in that process except maybe the end when you're trying to market it to people who are dependent on genre and I don't think it's any mistake that a lot of the groundbreaking games have been ones which have subverted the concept of genre because when you decide that you're going to go beyond genre suddenly you can make decisions on all these little points that previously seemed fixed you don't say oh well I, I can't possibly put conversation into this game because it's a first-person shooter how, how would they interact with that Deus Ex lets you do that because they decided hey I'm gonna make this 
a hybrid or are going to defy genre. I don't know what their decision process was with that, but they ended up with something where they could make decisions about conversation, about upgrading, that wouldn't be possible in a game that was holding strictly to the first-person shooter genre conventions. And if you really think about it, games often don't have as much in common with things within their genre than they do with things outside of it. If you look at Serious Sam, which is a so-called first-person shooter where you run around large open areas fighting very large numbers of enemies, and then look at Smash TV, which is the, the classic arena shooter where you're running around an open area fighting lots of enemies, they're really very similar, but because one's top-down and one's first-person, we consider them to be two different genres, two different kinds of games. So if you compare you know, Geometry Wars to Halo, oh, they're very different. Well, they're not. Halo's got a story to it, but the basic gameplay between Halo and Geometry Wars is still let's strategically avoid bullets and deliver our bullets to the enemies. It's your, your main verb is the same that you're using. You're still shooting most of the time. You're still dealing with prioritization of which enemies to take care of. Halo has a more complicated cover system. Um, but other than that, the gameplay is pretty much identical. But because the art style is so different and the perspective is so different, we consider it to be a different genre. I think that's kind of a mistake. And it also shows that genres are pretty arbitrary and after the interlude I'm, I'm going to talk about sort of the evolution of genre through the years a real basic and not very rigorous history that'll kind of make my point on how arbitrary these things are you'll pretend it's Christmas when no things are really real a veneer of something
Alright, so I have in front of me an ancient Xeroxed packet that was copied from the book The Art of Computer Game Design by Chris Crawford. And I'll make a disclaimer up front that I'm not a particular fan of Mr. Crawford. But this book was one of the definitive works of the computer game theory field, and it, it's, it's still classic work. I got this particular packet through a game-making class that I took one summer in middle school. This, this chapter that I'm looking at that, that was printed out was called The Taxonomy of Computer Games. And the, the book was written in 1984, and this chapter is a summary of the genres, uh, how Crawford looked at them at the time. So he divides games into two broad categories, the skill and action games, where you're de depending on reflex, things like combat games, sports games, are so some of the things that he discusses. They're gorgeous screenshots from the Atari 2600 here, reproduced poorly on my Xerox copy. I'll have a link to the online version in the show notes on ludusnovas.net. The other broad genre is strategy games, which contains things like adventures, which the some of the very early Sierra adventure games are mentioned here, as well as the text adventures by Infocom and other developers. And then another category of strategy games are D&D games, which now we call role-playing games, but I suppose back then D&D wasn't that old, and so you could see them all as having evolved from that. And then war games, which are essentially uh, translations of tabletop war games at the time. The the categories are are very very rough here, and, and they're they're very much based on the relatively small number of games that were there at the time. You can talk about asteroids and missile command, which are actually referenced in the text as examples of these, and uh, things like children and educational games go in the strategy category for evidently because they're not skill in action, so they must be strategic. And this, this category sort of works for, for games at the time, but even, even in 1984 it was breaking down. And if you look at a little forward in, in the timeline of computer game development or digital game development, you start seeing things like platform games, which, of course, Super Mario Brothers made popular. There really weren't platform games before Super Mario Brothers, not in the way that we discuss them today. But you still had the division of action games versus adventure games. And then you, you would probably lump them into action games, adventure games, which would be maybe role-playing games would be tied in there, maybe it would be a separate category, and strategy games would be separate at, with the evolution of the war game, digital game genre, as it was separate from the tabletop genre. And then came games like The Legend of Zelda. What is The Legend of Zelda in this category? It's got action elements to it. You need to have reactions, good reflexes to be able to survive, but it also has a strong adventure category. You're solving puzzles. And so we created a category called Action Adventure, which honestly is kind of a silly concept. Uh, I, it's equally silly to call Zelda a role-playing game, even though it has a lot of the, the concepts of that genre in it, because you're not truly evolving Link in the same way that you evolve a character in a role-playing game. And you don't have the turn-based combat that at the time was a defining factor of the role-playing game. And I really think the birth of the action-adventure genre was the point at which we started making these categorillas, these ridiculous categories that that are really strictly defined. And so, in, in essence, you have 
games these days are sort of, their genres are defined on the initial game in the genre. So an action-adventure game is any game that's like a Zelda game. A first-person shooter is any game that's like Wolfenstein 3D. And it's evolved, so now it's, you might use Half-Life as a reference. But essentially what these genres are based on is you find a popular game and you make an imitation of it. And because people make a lot of games that are a lot like popular games because they want to sell games, you end up with a lot of games in these narrowly defined genres. And it's, it's an incredibly arbitrary distinction. You look at a game like Ultima Underworld, which you could call a first-person game. It's got a complex enough world simulation and physical simulation of the world that it, it rivals Doom, which is a roughly contemporaneous piece. But because it's got the role-playing elements to it as well, we generally would consider it a role-playing game. And these these areas are getting increasingly vague as the majority of games seem to be tending towards a third-person or first-person game which provides you with some action, some puzzle solving, some plots, and probably some character development along the way. All these games tend to get lumped in the action-adventure category, where, I don't know, I think that's a mistake. I think these, these divisions are so arbitrary that it's far more useful to, to me to discuss a game in terms of its story and the way it approaches gameplay. So, action, sure, that's a perfectly valid way to describe a game if you're describing its gameplay. Action-style gameplay is gameplay that depends upon reflexes, um, hand-eye coordination, and perception skills. Role-playing games, if it's describing the gameplay, a role-playing game in the context of digital games tends to be one in which you are evolving a character through experience. primary verb there is to, to grow, to, to develop your character. An adventure game, in terms of gameplay, is one in which you're going on an adventure. No, actually it turns out that it's in one in which you're puzzle solving. Even though a puzzle game isn't one in which you're puzzle solving, it's one in which you're using reflexes to sort colors, usually, or to, to fill a space. That's It's usually a, a space packing game or a, or a space management game, if it's a puzzle game. These These categories are not really based on anything that's immediately apparent in the play of the game. It's just that we've got these based on these conventions that seem to straightjacket games a, a whole lot of the time. So I'd like to see developers, and I'm sure there are plenty of developers that do this anyway, look at games as works that need to be planned out from a gameplay and story perspective first, and then for decisions to be made afterwards about what perspective they're supposed to be from and things like that. And from a player perspective, I think that if you think of games in terms of these genres instead of in terms of how the gameplay works, that you're going to miss out on a lot. I myself avoid sports games. Why? Because I don't really find sports all that interesting. There are certain ones that I, that I enjoy, but the thing is that I like action games just fine. Most sports games going to be action games, really. I mean, they're the gameplay of it, even though it's within the structure of a sport system, you know, football games are going to use the rules of football, but generally they're either going to be an action-oriented football game where you're dodging and weaving the other players, 
or they're going to be a strategy game where you're planning out plays ahead of time and figuring out how you're going to place the right players on the team. And there may be a combination of those. And honestly, an action strategy game where you get to choose the characters you put on the level and then work out your approach, that sounds like a pretty awesome game. It also sounds like Rainbow Six. So I think that in conclusion, Rainbow Six is a football game and genres really don't do you much good unless you're a games reviewer attempting to describe in very short words what kind of game you're talking about. And I hope that in the future we'll see more games that defy genres because, honestly, those seem to be the most awesome kinds of games out there. If you have an opinion on the topic of genres and games, if you think they're really useful and I'm wrong, or if you want to tell me how awesome my ideas are, you can go to ludusnovus.net and comment on this show. The show notes are also there. I'll provide links to some of the games and texts I've been talking about today. Ludus Novus is copyrighted under a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial license. That means you can do whatever you want with it as long as you don't make money off of it. And the song for today is Unforgiven by Spinmeister using samples by The Joe and Care Troves. And it is also licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial 3.0 license. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you.